Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I have, uh, you guys know Pastor John King, good friend of mine. He's, uh, he's from Wales, and uh, they have different words for things over there, you know. The, the lift is the elevator and the, the loo is the bathroom and the, the boot is the trunk of your car, stuff like that. But, you know, we still speak kind of English, I guess. But people that come to this country from, like, another country, it's a real, it's a real culture shock. Um, my wife having traveled probably the, the most radical difference would be Niger, Africa. Um, for me, would probably be Kenya, Africa, or Seoul uh, to South Korea. I just can't imagine people coming from Estonia or Lithuania or some place that you can't even pronounce, you know? And then coming to America is quite a culture shock. And they try to fit in and... Uh, I appreciate when they try to speak English. You don't make fun of that, you know? Just like when we go to another country, Hannah goes to Guatemala or whatever, I, you know, I do my best with my travel Spanish, and the locals appreciate that you try, at least. And, uh, but there, there's actually, I ran across a website uh, called USA Hello that helps people, immigrants, to America figure out what it means to be an American because we're just so different than other parts of the world. We have a culture. And so on that website, it takes you through inalienable rights, equality, the rule of law, justice, the power of government coming from the people, granted to the government. I said coming from the people, granted to the government, uh, a limited government, due process, representative, constitutional democracy, separation of powers, uh, independence and self-reliance, privacy, individualism. Self-determination, I mean, these are things that we all take for granted because that's our culture here. But when people come from another place, it, it takes a little bit of understanding to realize that, oh, this is what America is and, and what we are. Uh, the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abiding or abridging the freedom of speech press, the right to peacefully assemble, and to petition the government for the redress of a grievance. Those are explicit. They are explained. They're explicit. They're explicit uh, values, if you will, of our government. There's some implicit things, things that are just implied, and that happens uh, beyond government, and that's where individual values are concerned. You go to a uh, a hobby club, you belong to the chess club, the rotary club, the, the whatever hobby club you belong to, there is a culture there. And there are things that they value there. This is what we value. If, you, if you're a good bowler, where's Chris Lee? Is Chris there? Chris Lee is the best bowler in the house. So they value, they value good bowlers there, and good shoes and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, It's just different values based on where you are. Uh, every company Different companies have different values. Um, Twitter 
has different values than Google, that has different values than Facebook, that has different values than IBM. Families have that, explicit values, what we value as a family, what we value individually. And there's actually, um, in New Zealand, there's, a, there's a, a place called the Values Institute that I ran across this past week. And talking about core values, it means that they underline all activity, including the strategies used to fulfill a purpose and how the member of the organization will interact with one another. They are the core elements of how people approach their work. So if you have a core value, this is, just, this is how we do it around here because it's who we are. And so the elements of how they approach their work, I, I ask what is our work as the church? What is our work at the church? Now, understand what I just said. I didn't say, what's pastor supposed to do? Because y'all have a pretty good idea of what I'm supposed to do. Um, and, or the staff, what the, what the staff's supposed to do. But we are the church, right? We are the church collectively. And so what is our work? If the core values are the core elements of how people approach their work, what is our work? Well, it's pretty simply defined by Jesus in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I've got it all. I'm giving it to you. Now you go do it. I'll say it again. He came to them and said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, ta ethne, every ethnic group, baptizing them as we did this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So think of a table that has four legs. Jesus said in this idea of go, where should we go? Go everywhere, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. That is who we are and what we do. There are other great organizations out there, civically minded, um, socially minded, that do all kinds of things. But this is what we are supposed to do. Well, the lions, they're great. You know, they, 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 was it, lions collect glasses, right? Yeah. And they help people. And that's wonderful. But that's not the lion's core values. That's our core values. It's what we do. It's how we're supposed to do our work. Go everywhere. Make disciples. Then baptize them. And then teach them to obey. So Jesus had the core value of go. Go do it. Just do it. And that really scares a lot of people. It scared the 12, it scared the 12 disciples because um, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus sent out the 12, go do it. They came back and they were fighting amongst themselves. Oh, they're doing this and they're, doing, they're casting out devil. They don't do it in the name of, they don't do it right. They were arguing and complaining. What did Jesus do? He said, okay. Let's get 72 of you together. So in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 10, immediately after the 12 came back and didn't do it very well, he sent out 72 in pairs. Said, go do that. Just go do it. Well, I'm not trained enough. I don't know enough. Well, welcome to the life of the 12 disciples and the 72 that Jesus set out. Because in Luke 9, he sent the 12. In Luke 10, he sent out 72. And in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? 
That's where we have the Lord's Prayer. He said, okay, our Father, this is how, when you pray, this is how you should pray. So before he, he didn't even teach him the Lord's Prayer before he sent him out. And for you to say, I can't do it, I don't have enough training, I don't have enough information. Listen, if you have these core values and the first one is to go, just get up and start moving. Start doing something for the kingdom. Amen? Okay. So, um, (laughs) that's what we're to do. Go everywhere. So he had a vision. Jesus had a vision to go. And the goal and the process. Heaven's vision is for you to fulfill your destiny to go do that. The goal is that you would participate. Again, when you say, what are we supposed to do? It's not what I'm supposed to do. It's not what the deacons are supposed to do or the apostolic team. It's not what the staff's supposed to do. It's what we, the church, are supposed to do. The goal is that you would participate. And so if you're not participating, you're not participating in one of the core values of heaven, which is to go do it. And the process, the process is simply what we, the church, do to help you achieve the vision and the goal. In the hallway, when you came in today, immediately to your right as you look down the hallway, you're going to see our core values. And uh, they're, they're pretty easily discerned. And they're nice and bright, and they're lit up with LED lights. And there are four words, live, connect, grow, and go. And I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to take you through the core values. So stick with me. The first is to live. And the verse of scripture underneath live is that, we've, that Jesus says, I have come, in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have Zoe, that you might have life, and that you might have it Exceedingly abundantly above, very highly, beyond measure, more superfluous, vehement, fervent, and passionate life. I didn't make that up. That's the Greek definition of to the full. So if you're not living a full, exuberant, awesome, amazing life, then there's a disconnect for you, and that goes back to the core values of heaven, the core value as of an abundant life. And you're only going to realize that as you plug yourself into the gospel. I'm not talking about having a 50-foot yacht and a summer home in France and and a million dollars of an annual income. No, those people commit suicide all the time. I'm talking about in a life where where you're full of joy. You have an internal persuasion of your eternal destination. That, my friends, is the start of your abundant life. In Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. That's all of us before we knew Jesus. You were walking around like a zombie. You were dead on the inside. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient, All of us among you lived for a time gratifying our cravings and our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Here it is, verse number four. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich, because of his great love, because of his agape for us, God, who is wealthy, who is rich in mercy, mercy, made us what? Made us alive. Next verse. He made us alive. 
this alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions, by grace you are saved, by grace you are sozoed. So the core value of the kingdom of God, whether it's a destiny church, Calvary Temple, Westside Christian, wherever you go, if, if becoming alive, being born again, having an abundant life is not a core value of that particular fellowship, you really should leave. I'm going to tell you, you should leave. You should get out of there because they're not, the, they may be a social club, but if they're not, if they're not regularly challenging you to give your life to Christ, well, I gave my life to Christ 30 years ago. Yeah, but there's somebody in this room today that's never done that and they're having to have an opportunity. And so when the pastor gives the altar call, when the pastor starts challenging people, rather than turn your mind off, turn your spirit off, you should be saying, oh God, Holy Spirit, come now. Minister by your spirit to come and to soften the hearts and minds of people. That's the prayer believers should be praying when the altar call is happening. You know what that is? That's participating in the core value of heaven. Not the core value of destiny. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. He came to seek and save those who were lost. Number one. Core value number two. To connect. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said that. C.S. Lewis, you may know, he said the greatest pleasure on earth is a circle of Christian friends. My mom would say, if you go out looking for a friend, you'll find that they are scarce. But if you go out to be a friend, you'll find they're everywhere. Some people, they come to church, they're the last, they're the last ones in the seat before things start. Maybe even wait till after things start because that worship's just a little too much for you. And then you show up late and you leave early, you don't talk to anybody, you're not participating. You're not participating. It's like, it's like, going to the movies and not getting popcorn. Right? I mean, that's why we go, right? Little popcorn, butter, little popcorn, butter, little popcorn, butter. <laughs> to get connected, to have a circle of friends in the family of God. As a believer, alive in Christ, let me just, I'll just tell you straight because that's what I like to do. If your best friend is not a Christian, you got an issue. Or the core, va the core value would be, I am doing my best to introduce this person to a genuine Christian experience. I'm not asking you to look to put a notch in your gun handle. Saved another one. No, that's not, that's not your responsibility. Connection. Connection. Well, I'm dating this girl, I'm dating this guy, they're not a believer, stop that. Because your heart's gonna get connected and it'll overrule your mind and you're gonna marry an unsafe person and you're gonna live in, you're gonna live in a very sad situation the rest of your life if that person never comes to become a Christian. It's called being unequally yoked. Wow, I really went down to the youth group level there, didn't I, for a second, right? But that's important to know. Right, mom? Right, dad? They used to call that missionary dating. I'm gonna, I'm gonna date this, this heathen in hopes that they get married, that they, that they turn their life, don't do that. That's not your responsibility. You just be worried about being the best person you can be and God will bring the perfect mate to you. I'm a little far afield, but under connection that's important for us to remember. Yes? yes. It's a core value of Christianity, connection. I mean, as Hannah said, that's why we've got so many things going on around here. 
and we use the word connect a lot. It's because if you're just, what was it uh, last week you preached in youth group? If you're just traveling by yourself and you fall in a ditch, you got nobody there to help pick you up. Oh, you might, you might think, oh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll call the church or I'll, that one guy who I know at work who's a Christian, he'll pray for me. Listen, you, you're, you're riding around with a spare tire in your trunk that's flat. And then when the emergency happens, oh my gosh, look in the boot of your car and see if you gotta, gotta see, if it's, see if it's ready to go. It's too late. Have your network of Christian friends. Really, it's important. They have the same core values as you, or they should. So we have a lot of connect things. The ladies got the speed. The ladies have the speed uh, friending thing coming up. They got a tea coming up, I think. Women's conference, book studies, men's group, the fight club, the bowling. We want bowling. We're going shooting, going canoeing, going golfing. Youth group has D teens, Destiny Kids, they have movie nights, the ice cream at the salt. I mean, all these things we do to help you become connected. Now, you can come to Destiny Church and you can be here on a Sunday morning and you sit generally in the same position. I know you do. <laughs> and when you sit in a different possession, in a different possession, it really irritates me. That's okay though. That's okay. I get over things pretty easily, but I remember. And I'm like, where, where, where? Oh, okay, I saw, mm, okay, why are you sitting there? But that's okay. So you may know, if you were to look around, you might know the names of the people directly to your left or your right, but you may not know everybody round about there. And, and, and then the couple minutes before service, if you come earlier, the couple minutes after that, if you stay around, you know, you might learn that they have, a, they have a child or they have a grandchild or they used to live in Chicago or whatever. You learn a little bit about somebody and it could take you years to come to a meaningful connection with the people that you sit around every Sunday morning in church. So this is why we have encounters. One of the reasons we have encounters, because when you were a kid, I don't know if you ever went to camp. Remember when you would go to camp as a kid? I went to camp, and you would spend several days with your peers, and you'd be doing activities, and you'd be doing everything together. At the end of camp, you would go, I will never forget you. I love you. You're my best friend. Oh, my God. I'll write you every day. Right? That's how it was at camp. We even cried. You were so sad. Why? Because you learned so much about them in a consolidated, in a condensed period of time. So when you go on a retreat encounter weekend, you're hanging out. Guys go with guys. Ladies go with ladies. Uh, and so you hang out with people for a couple days, for a Friday and a Saturday, and part of Sunday, and you just learn a whole lot about them. As long, obviously, you're learning about yourself, and you're, you're being challenged in some spiritual ways. But you're also sitting next to these people at, at lunch, at breakfast, at dinner, at supper, during free time. You're hanging out, and you, you can, over the course of an encounter weekend, become more connected in three days than you ever would with three years in a church. Just the way that it is. Do you think we do it just for fun? No. The reason we have and the reason we do what we do is because we think it's the best method to accomplish the goal. If there was a better method and I didn't do it, I should be sued for malpractice. I am doing, I am using, after 33 years of pastoring, the absolute best way to help you come alive in Christ, to live, and to connect. 
It's my responsibility. Why? Because it's our primary directive. These are our core values to get connected. Because when you know what hits the fan, I mean, potato salad hits the fan, right? You had better already have your network of friends. When something happens to you physically, when something happens to your children, when something happens to your job, when something happens to you financially, when all those types of things, listen, you can't be scrambling and trying to develop a, a network of Christians who are going to believe for you and stand with you and intercede for you. So that's why you got to get connected. That's why encounter, um, you leave on a Friday after work, you go out to the camp and uh, serve you a dinner, it's good meals. Everything's broken up into about 30 minute segments, maybe an hour segment. There's a teaching, there's some reflection, there's some time for prayer, there's some time for worship. All the stuff you think you want to do, but you never make time to do when you have your normal week. Yeah, I should really pray some more. I should really worship some more. I should really make some, some fellowship and have some connection. You don't do that. So we afford you that opportunity on Encounter. It's going to be a powerful opportunity if you take advantage of it. Connection is the key. Mm-hmm. I have an extra hour, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. One of my favorite things about Encounter is the story of Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. So he climbed up in a sycamore sea for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And then the Lord saw him and said, come on down. So Zacchaeus had every opportunity to have an excuse why he didn't meet Jesus. But he heard that Jesus was in town and he couldn't see him from his perspective. He couldn't see him from his current situation. But he says, you know what? If I climbed up in that tree, I bet you I could see better. And so he had to actually, it says in the text, I I, I was gonna preach the whole thing, but I don't have the time. He actually had to push through the crowd. You know there are people right now that don't want you to change and become closer to God because they like how you are now because you facilitate something in their life that they're going to have to change if you change. And so they would rather drag you down and keep you pinned to the mat because you facilitate what they need rather than them saying, you know what, you really should go after God. You really should find out what the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life. You really should have that thing broken off your life and you really should be free of that particular sin or whatever those are christian friends those are the ones that say man go for it they got a hand in the middle of your back not trying to pull you back but to nudge you forward but zacchaeus had to fight through the crowd he had to climb up in the tree and then the lord saw him he goes "Mm, look at this little one come here that's the lord gives you that opportunity on encounter he says come on down let's i want to go to your house today and that's what he does that's the power of encounter you should go Core value number one, to live. Core value number two, get connected. Core value number three is to grow. The best way to grow in your spiritual life is through what we offer here is through what we call growth track. It's it's adult education. Do you have adult education? Yes, we have adult education. Well, I used to be in a situation ministerially where adult education would be someone would send you a quarterly you know what a quarterly is it's, it's one fourth of the year with a little teaching you read it and have a little prayer at the end and you stand up it was very boring typically 
And if you've been in, around for a while, as I have been now, you know, after a while, you can only teach David and Goliath so many ways. You can only hear the widow with the issue of blood, so many, the woman with the issue of blood so many times. And after a while, it's just like, it gets a little repetitive, it can get boring, and it ends up being a social club, and the coffee wasn't hot enough, and the donuts weren't from your favorite donut place. Right? So what we did is we said, listen, we don't do Sunday school. We want you to go on Encounter, and when you go on Encounter, these things happen to you in your life, and you get charged up, you get connected. This is wonderful experience. Well, then you get to come back and be involved in what we call growth track. Growth track isn't forever. Growth track takes maybe three quarters of a year. It takes about eight months to get through. There's different levels, and you start at the beginning, and then you work your way through if you want to. You don't have to. Nobody, listen, you can come to this church for 30 years, for the next 50 years of your life, never go on encounter. That's absolutely fine. But why would you go to Thanksgiving dinner and not eat the turkey? You know? Why wouldn't you? Why, I mean, you already come here, which means your neighbor thinks you're weird. So while you're here, you may as well get the full dose of the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? They already think you're weird. So... I want to get involved in adult education. How does that work? Well, you go on Encounter. Why? Well, because when you come off of Encounter, the things you've been taught, and now there's a, there's a baseline of information that we know that you know. Well, I've been saved for 35 years. Why do I have to do that? Because I don't know what church you came from, and I don't know what crazy stuff you think. Well, you'd be surprised. People come into the church, first thing they want to do, they want to tell me, First thing they want to do is they want to tell me how long they serve the Lord and that that qualifies them for being a teacher or, or whatever. That's not how it works around here because I don't know you. This body doesn't know you. Well, I got, I, I've, I got this super skill. You need to let me do this. Okay, that's wonderful. I'm not so concerned about your skill. I'd rather not have the skill than make sure your life is right with Christ, that you're on fire for Jesus, and you have some basic doctrinal understandings of who he is. That's counterintuitive to today's churches because most pastors, you, could, you really, you want to do something? Yeah, we'll give you 37 things to do because we're so desperate for workers. That's not how it works. I would rather not have, listen to me, I, will, I would rather not have nursery than have unqualified nursery workers. Who are those people back there right now ministering to children? They went on encounter and going through growth track. They're being developed and they know, they know who they are in Christ. Well, you may be thinking, oh, I come from a really solid background. That's wonderful, but we don't know you've not been connected to us. So why should I let you loose to go teach in some room somewhere where there's no accountability? Do you understand my position? Right, as a leader, this, this makes sense. So listen, you go through growth track. It's designed to take a hooker off the street or somebody that served the Lord for 35 years and bring everyone through to the end to say, oh, okay, I understand what the church is like, I understand how to pray, I understand the word of God, I understand submission, I understand authority, I understand, these are things that are important for the kingdom of God to advance. I'd much rather have 300 of you here on a Sunday morning than 3,000 if indeed you are the type that are going and doing Everyone else is just dead weight. Can I just be honest to you? You're just, you're just, you, think that, you think the church is a, is a cruise ship. You think the church is a cruise ship. 
and you pay your tithe, and so you get your, your, you get your uh, wow, I'm really going there. Yeah, I am. So you, you get your little suite, you get your little suite, and, 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 and you order your room service, and you drink your drinks, and you eat your food, and you think, wow, this is, this is awesome. Well, this, that's not how it was set up. Not according to the core values of Jesus. This is a working vessel. And I, in my mind, because I have, I have Norse heritage, I'm German and Norwegian, I have this, the Viking ship in my mind when I always think about this analogy. Because they all rode. They all rode. And they rode together. That was amazing. Can you imagine if everybody decided, I'm just going to row whenever I want. And all the oars banging into everybody all the time. No, somebody was up there saying stroke. This is the way we're going to do it. And this is the direction we're headed. Let's do it. So if your hands aren't calloused, spiritually speaking, then you think you're on the love boat. And this is a working vessel. The reality of life is if you're not growing, you're dead. So what are you doing to grow? So let's do a little personal, I will quiz for you, a little personal, little personal growth assessment. Five questions. Answer, to them, answer the questions to yourself. You ready? Here we go. How many chapters of the Bible did you read last week? What scripture, even just one, what scripture did you memorize last week? How much time did you spend in Bible study last week? How was your prayer life last week? And number five, how much time did you spend in worship last week? So you have this, let's, on a scale of one to 10, if one is nothing and 10 is you are Jesus walking on the water, where do you fall in those five categories as it relates, as it relates to your growth? Well, I'm not so bad, Pastor. I'm probably like, you know, a, a a four, five, six, right in the middle somewhere maybe. You know what that, you know, you know what Jesus calls that? Lukewarm. That four, five, six, seven, that right in the middle, that's lukewarm. Not hot or cold. No, you gotta be on fire. Yeah, now granted, some weeks are better than other weeks. I get that. But if your life is just constantly coasting, ladies and gentlemen, if to coast continually means you're going downhill. If you are coasting continually, you're headed downhill. Einstein says once you stop learning, you start dying. See, if you're willing to grow, no one can stop you. But if you're not willing to grow, nobody can help you. I can present the smorgasbord of connect and growth things all day long for you, but unless you're motivated enough to get up and do it, it's, it's, real, it's really not even to your advantage. So what happens in growth track? Well, it's on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, depending. Where's Jill Cook? Next one's on, we're on, uh, next one starts on, is it Wednesday? Is, it, is the next one that's on Wednesday? Wednesday after encounter. So you go on encounter. You come back, and now you can go to growth track if you want. And we encourage you to do that. But listen, it's not, it's not everybody gets a trophy. But it's not like, like a public education where, or particularly in university, uh, in an advanced degree or whatever, where they want to weed you out. They're making it difficult because they want you to fail because a teacher 
not their best teachers, but the fewer students I have, the easier it is for me, right? So, but our desire is that you would read what you need to read. You would, we have Bible memorization. You got to read the Bible. You got to pray. There's quizzes over what you learned the week before. There's attendance. If you don't show up, is it like 75%, Joey? Eight, eight out of 10, 80% attendance, you get a couple... You get, you get, you get, let's say 10 weeks long, you get three absences. Let me tell you, if you worked your job and you said, you know what, I can only show up 70% of the time, you wouldn't have a job very long. Well, that sounds harsh. No, I'm not telling you that you're stupid and it can't, it can't happen. You're just going to have to take the class over again. Well, that sounds remedial. It sounds punitive. No, it's not. It's just that we want to make sure that we know what you know. That's all. So there's attendance. It's not designed to be hard. It's designed to make sure that you're dependable. So when you say you're going to do it, you do it. See, we want you to succeed. Well, I'm not a good reader. We've had people graduate from growth track that don't know how to read. So... Any excuse you have as to why it can't happen, we're going to make it happen. We'll read you the books. We'll read you the materials. The idea is to help you grow, which is part of the core values of heaven. Number one, to live. Number two, to be connected. Number three, to grow. And then here it is. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's Jesus' core value. Go everywhere, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. That's it. You should really write those down. Because if you're not doing those things, then you're really not involved in what the church is supposed to be doing. Well, I do this ministry and I do that ministry. And maybe part of that, but if you personally are not involved in, this, in going out and evangelizing, sharing your faith, Making a disciple, you know why a lot of people, I'll, I'll tell you the honest truth. A lot of times people don't want to invite their friends to church is because they're different Monday through Saturday than they are on Sunday morning. And then they'd be embarrassed because they want to make everybody believe here that they're on fire for Jesus. So when they come, now, now oh, now there's, there's dissonance in your life. And a lot of people don't want to make disciples because they say to themselves, you know what? I really don't pray that much. That personal assessment that we just took, I don't pray, I don't worship, I don't read the Bible. Oh, I go to this, I go to this nice church and they preach a nice sermon and the music is great and the lights are great. They got all these wonderful programs, but you're not doing anything. You're part of the problem. You bought into American gospel. You bought into consumer gospel. If it's big, it must be great. If it's flashy, it must be awesome. If it's wonderful, if it's... Uh, it, no, 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 no. I'm talking... Listen, I'm encouraging you to roll up your sleeve, get some calluses, and do some work in the kingdom. I'm not here to give you a singing Christmas tree. Anybody else remember singing Christmas trees? If you don't know a singing Christmas tree, that was a thing back in the day. They built this big wooden Christmas tree and the choir sat in the Christmas tree. And the church that had the biggest singing Christmas tree, wow, that was something. Listen, what I want to do is sometimes entertain you. I understand a little bit of levity or humor or that can be fun. But at the end of the day, I am not here. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to make sure you do the gospel. 
that you get connect, you live, you become alive in Christ, you give your life to Jesus, you get connected to some people, you begin to grow up. Well, I've been serving, I, I, I've been serving the Lord for 35 years. I've been serving the Lord for 55. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. Have you been doing what he asked you to do? Just coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in the garage makes you a car. These are challenging words. So, where do we go? Everywhere. What do we do? We make disciples, baptize them, and teach them the word. Well, I'm not an evangelist. It's not my, it's not my thing. I'm not an evangelist. That's not my thing, right? It's not my thing. Well, then what is your thing? Because you only have five choices. There are five archetypes for personalities in the universe. Now, you may have taken some personality test that says you're a beaver or an otter or a lion or you're a sanguine or you're a caloric or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Let me, let's, let's take a biblical approach. You either have apostolic tendencies, pastoral, prophetic tendencies, teacher tendencies, uh, or um, I missed one, shepherding type t- tendencies. Apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, apest. And so you are, you have a proclivity, you have a natural inclination to be more like that. I'm not saying you, ha- you are an apostle or you are an evangelist or you are a shepherd, pastor, but that is your makeup. So what are you doing? Well, just because I am what I am, it doesn't mean I, I get to say I'm not the other things because all of those things should be in us. Why? Because Jesus was all of those things. Jesus was the best apostle, the best prophet, the best evangelist, the best pastor, and the best teacher. So those tendencies are in all of us. Granted, some are higher than the other, but just because you don't come off on the scale, and there are tests that you could take, and I can certainly avail you of a place to do that. It would be 5Q, just Google 5, number 5, and then the letter Q. Um, would be a great place, a resource to do a little evaluation. But just because you're, you don't, you don't score high on the evangelist scale doesn't mean you get to just say, I don't do that. That's not my thing. No, it is responsible. It's all of our responsibilities to do it. And some of it, that's why it stretches us. So, What I've just explained to you in the most rudimentary sense is the gospel. Not just get born again, but be born again, get connected, learn, and then go be a participator. There's all kinds of people in the Tater family. There's the rotator. They don't like what I said today, so they're gonna rotate out to another church. There's the agitator, didn't like what I said, so they're just gonna find a little enclave of people and stir up some problems. They're the agitator. Close cousins with the irritator. (laughs) Then there's the hesitator. That sounds like a good idea, but I'm not gonna do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start it next week. Then there's the spectator, the fan that sits in the crowd. Let's everybody else do it. Then there's the dictator. 
Everything should be done exactly the way they think it should be done. Listen, somebody has to be the leader. It happens to be me. I've done this for a long time. I have some young, some young bucks and stallions, some wonderful, smart people around me, a deacons and apostolic team. We're doing the best we can. I mean, I, <laughs> I've probably planted 100 churches in 30 years. I only did about 12 of them on purpose. Because somebody said, well, this is the way it should be done. I said, well, that's not the way we're going to do it. <laughs> go start my own. And go start your own. That's fine. Good luck with that. So the rotator, the agitator, the hesitator, the spectator, the irritator, the dictator, ah, the commentator. You got to love the commentator. Lots of opinions. Lots of opinions. Well, you know what we ought to do? We ought to do this, that, and the other thing. Don't ever come to me and tell me that. You know why? Because you just volunteered yourself. We ought to start a ministry that does blah, blah, blah. Hey, that's a great idea. You should go do that. Because my hands right now are full, as they've been most of my adult life, doing, going, being. So if you've got a great idea, maybe that's the Lord just depositing that in your heart for you to go do that. Because it's easy to, for, they ought to, the church ought to, where you are the church. Right. So that's the commentator. Oh, boy. Then the amputator. I won't go there. <laughs> but then we end up with the good old sweet tater. And that's who you are. The sweet tater. Excited about growing. Smiles on your face. Great attitude. Cordial. Cooperative. A wonderful part of the tater family. The sweet tater is the ideal member of the church. She's got a great attitude. She's faithful. She's committed. She's supported. She's supportive. She's involved. She doesn't dictate, agitate, hesitate, commentate, speculate, irritate. No, 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 no. She's the sweet tater. And I want you all to be the sweet tater. Look at your neighbor say, could you be a sweet tater just for just today, at least the rest of the day? I have a final photograph for you because it's very appropriate as we conclude this morning. I want you to look at this sailboat in the rough water. I don't know who, 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 who told you about becoming a Christian and they told you, oh man, it's gonna be awesome. This, this to me depicts the Christian life. Some really, really crappy days. Some really tough decisions. Death in your family. Divorce. Bankruptcy. Horrible things. Those are the rough way. But you see the, you see the, you see the, the lighthouse off in the distance? So, the, so there's really three types of people in this situation. There's the people that, that just wait it out and say, you know what, the storm is going to pass. We'll just, we'll just do the best we can. We'll hang on tight. Because they expect things to change. Well, things are going to change, but it may not always change for the best. And there are those people who just sit around and complain about the wind. They complain about their doctor's appointments. They complain about the government. They complain, complain, complain. Some of you ought to have a PhD in complaining. But true believers, 
You know what they do? They adjust their sail. Say, this is the way the wind is blowing at this season in my life. I'm not gonna sit around and complain. It does no good. I'm not gonna wait for the situation to change because it just might not. I have to do something. I have to work. I have to go. I have to reset my sail to catch the wind in order to get to the destination, which is the lighthouse, which is us, which is doing the gospel. Doing the gospel. Listen, once you get saved, all of heaven rejoices. But the very next question that I have for you, because if you were to die the next day, St. Peter or someone would come and say, so what did you do? Well, that sounds like a works-based, that sounds like a works-based religion. No, 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 no. We, 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 it is by grace through faith that we are saved. And then once we are saved, the byproduct of our salvation is doing good works. Good works does not earn your salvation. Let me be crystal clear. You sing in the choir, you give some money, you pass out some tracts, whatever. One, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. You don't earn your salvation. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's just a gift. All right, who could use $100? Anybody want $100? Well, look how fast those hands went up. Anybody want eternal life? Anybody want forgiveness of their sins? Anybody want a fresh start to start all over? That's how it all begins. You come alive to Christ. But please don't stop there because you'll be a part of the tater family that's unenjoyable. Purpose to be a sweet tater. Get involved. Get connected. Grow up and then go do something. If you're a photographer, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is that you love to do, God gave you that passion. Do it as unto the Lord. That is your ministry. This is just not the only ministry. Preaching is not the only ministry. Playing an instrument is not the only ministry. There's as many ministries as there are people in this room. Just go do it as unto the Lord. You'll be blessed. And the kingdom will grow. And when you get to that place and you sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and somebody looks across the table and says, what would you do for him? You'll actually be able to say that you did something. Amen? Why don't you stand up, would you? Cheryl, would you join me today? I want to have you close us in prayer. Thank you. Thank you, babe. I also want to pray for those people that got water baptized today. Lord, just bless them. Lord, what they're going through in their life, this great step of faith that they've made, may today be the best day of their life. As they go home and they, and they experience new life in you, God, let, let today be the day that they made a commitment and settle it in their heart of hearts. Bless them, keep them, prosper them, encourage them, and help them to be connected and to grow in the kingdom and be about your business. Thank you, Jesus. As we go out this week, let us be mindful of being the sweet taters. God, one of the most nutritious foods you placed on the face of the earth, sweet potatoes. God, let us be nutrition out there to the people who are hungry for you, God, and hurting. Let us be a blessing to them and bring your sweet goodness. I just thank you, Jesus. Let us be mindful of you with each decision, every move we make. Lord, let it be glorifying to your name. And let us just be everything our hand fights to do. God, it's just going to be so exciting this week. I thank you. I praise you. 
If you're here today and you've not given your life to Christ with every head bowed and eye closed, this is the moment. It's time to start a new life with Christ. Have your sins forgiven. Maybe did it before and you fell. That's okay. Start over. If that's you, or maybe for the first time, you're saying, I want to become, a, I want abundant life. Then just raise your hand with me. Here we are, Jesus. We need you. We need your strength. We need your help. I'm going to have the prayer team come on down front. And if you raise your hand, you come on down front. We'll pray for you right now. Just come on. St just step out. Don't be embarrassed. This is the safest place on the face of the earth. That person standing next to you, they'll move. Just say, excuse me, I got to go down there. I'm going to have somebody pray for me today. So, Father, let this day be a day of change, a day of growth, a day of impact, a day that we were challenged to be on a working vessel. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.